women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Flow Rising. The show we talk about being survivors of domestic and family violence and having turned ourselves into thrivers in new ways uh, after leaving our situations. And today I am joined by my guest, Jamie who's going to share not only her story about what she does and how she helps other mothers today, but where she came from and the path she walked to get here. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So we always start the show with where we are because this show is definitely about inspiration and helping other people know that there is life after we leave our situations. Um, So Jamie, share with us a bit about the work that you were doing today in your life as a coach and a motivator and all the things that you do? Okay, well, I am, I do a couple of things, um, but my main focus right now is an organization that I founded called A Mother's Cry. And um, it, it, it is a community-based organization where I, we offer support for uh, mothers or families uh, who are um, impacted by social injustices and inequalities. Um, specifically right now, we're working with a lot of mothers who have children who are incarcerated and helping them uh, to navigate through all of that mentally, um, you know, and to deal with on a regular basis how that incarceration is impacting the family. And so um, I also have a virtual talk show where I, um, it is a purpose-driven format. And so I'm always focusing on, um, yes, we've been through some things, but through all of that, did you find your purpose for your life journey? And if so, how are you walking out your purpose? Yeah. What's the name of your show? It's called Let's Talk Destiny. Let's Talk Destiny. I love that. And when I first met you, because I meet all my guests before we record, um, you shared with me a little bit about how that show got started. And I thought it's a fun, great story. So share with the audience a little bit about, because a lot of people ask me the same thing. How'd you get started podcasting? I really want to start sharing my story. So share with us how that show kind of came to be. Well, um, in March, it's been two years now, this March was two years, I made a decision to um, do a do some uh, recordings of mothers calling in um, and joining me uh, virtually to talk about the gift of motherhood. Um, Even though there are days it doesn't seem like a gift, but it really is a gift. And so I chose March because that is the month that my mother transitioned. And so I wanted to honor her by having these other mothers tell their stories. At the end of the month, Um, some people said to me, you should continue doing this because you got a great response. Um, people enjoy the conversational atmosphere is that feel like you were being interviewed. It was just a conversation. So I think you should continue it. 
So I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, there's no way. Like, what am I going to say every week? And like, you know, whatever. And, but I did. And so in March, it was our second year anniversary. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, there are times, I mean, I got on even today and I'm like, I'm tired. It's been a long night. I just, we had an electrical storm here last night. So we were up at midnight because oh, it was wow. bright. And, and I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And I know by the end of this conversation, I'll be like, oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, it's always yeah. that way. So. I totally get it. Believe yeah, me. it's it's super fun to to be able to bring things like that to light. So it's like I said, we always talk here on the show about what we're doing and and how you know we're bringing things to life, even though the path that we walked was not necessarily yes. the the rosiest, most happy, and that's okay. I think that's the the impact this show is hoping to have on people is to let yes. them know, hey, it didn't have to be a perfect beginning for it to be a beautiful place in our lives now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you work a lot with mothers. So I'm, I'm making an assumption here that you yourself are a mother. Yes. I have yes. two sons and five grandsons. Oh my goodness. I know. I'm yes. I'm sick of boys. Yeah. <laughs> I have two, I have two sons too. I am, I, I live a life surrounded by boys. I say it's fun for me to get to do the show because this is when I get to talk with women. <laughs> talk to some, exactly. I, yes, I so get, get women time. So one of the things we definitely do here is talk a lot about how we got to where we are. So share with the audience a bit about your path, um, you know, into, you know, moving, moving from that surviving, you know, what were we surviving and how did we move from that into a new place? Because that's, you know, it's really what we're, we, we emphasize here on the show. It's interesting, um, Megan, when I first connected with you and um, you mentioned about the domestic violence and um, the term that made me feel much, give me a better understanding, the family uh, violence, um, because it's a subject that I don't really think about a lot unless I'm talking to someone about it. But I've realized it is definitely a very important part of my journey. Um, when I was a child, I was I began being molested by an adult family member. I think I might have been around six or seven the first time I remember something happened, and this molestation carried on until I was a teenager, and I didn't tell anybody. I just completely shut down. I was always accused of being weird and um, a lot of my uh, cousins didn't want to play with me uh, because I was strange or whatever, but nobody asked me what is going on. Like, why are you like that? Um, and so I remember very distinctly when I was about eight years old, I was one of those kids that cried all the time. Like, you could just tell me, you know, like one of your earrings is crooked and I would just start crying. And so one, one day, and it was because I was carrying all of this stuff inside, right? Yeah. And so one day we were out having dinner, my family, and we were uh, in this restaurant. And I remember very clearly my mother saying to me, because of course I was crying about something, I don't know what. And my mother said to me, if you don't stop being so sensitive, you are going to have a really hard life. 
And those words still to this day bring evoke some emotion in me. Um, and so every negative thing that happened to me after that, I felt it was my fault because if I wasn't this sensitive, whatever person, like my mother said, I wouldn't be being molested. I wouldn't be being bullied. I wouldn't, you know, none of these things would be happening to me if I didn't, um, if I wasn't so sensitive. And so I carried all of that inside of me and I felt guilt and shame and embarrassment. And I went through school, the whole school system, all of that, carrying all of that weight. Yeah. It's interesting how we have those singular moments that are just so, you know, crystallized. Being a survivor myself, I know a lot of it is, there's chunks of my childhood I don't remember. There's lots of chunks of my adulthood that are like completely, because our brains have a beautiful way of helping us get through yeah. things, but there are just some right. crystallizing moments. And it, it is, we do carry those things. You know, I, I don't think I have a one singular moment because my mother was my first abuser. And so it was always stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about, you know, or I was the, the scapegoat and, and blaming me for, so I very much understand that it was like, I went into my adult, adult life going, nope, I, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm messed up exactly. and it's, it's my fault. Exactly. Yeah. So what are some things that as you, you know, uh, like I, we, again, our, our pre-interview, you talked about, you know, when I said domestic violence, everyone's like, oh, but I didn't really have a marriage or, you know, it was, it didn't happen as an adult. It happened as a child. And that's why I love the family violence term, but what are some things that as you started into adulthood or you, you, you started recognizing there's nothing wrong with me. This was a, you know, not a normal situation. How did you start helping yourself move into a healing space? Um, even, you know, I don't know how old you were when you first started recognizing that stuff, but, you know, how did you start helping yourself move through healing? That's a very interesting question because, as I said, this happened around age eight um, with the, the comment that my mother made. And I also want to point out something that um, I think will really help your audience is both of my parents were ministers, were pastors, mm -hmm. and people were constantly saying what a great person she was, how they just loved her. She was always so encouraging and so forth and so on. And I didn't get that from her. Nope. Um, and so going into adulthood, I still carried all of that. I would, even relationships that I got into were based on, I have a lot of needs and this person is going to fill those needs for me, or this person is, has a lot of needs and I'm going to fix them. Yeah. And so I found myself like it was a revolving situation, reoccurring situation. Every relationship I was getting, this person was damaged in some kind of way, but Jamie's going to be the one to fix them. And yeah. then I still ended up experiencing domestic violence in some of those relationships. And I honestly, I am 61 years old. I honestly did not even talk about it publicly or start getting help until I was 32 years old. Mm -hmm. So all those years, 
it was the foundation of every relationship. It was the elephant in the room in every conversation. And what happened was I ended up getting, it was May, 1995. I woke up one morning with a major migraine um, and chest pains. I thought I was having an asthma, I mean, a heart attack. So I, my sister calls the ambulance. I go to the hospital. Ultimately, we find out I'm having a major anxiety attack in addition to the migraine. I ended up being admitted to the mental health unit because I made the statement, and this is so important. The doctor says to me, so how is Miss Green doing today? I responded, I would like to go to sleep and not wake up. Oh. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, at the time I had a 12-year-old and I had a three-year-old. And I was going to college and working at my parents' church. I'm thinking, I just want to rest. I just want to break. I wasn't thinking I want to die, but that's what they heard. So I ended up being in minutes at a mental health unit. And it was not until I was absolutely forced to talk about where I was, what was stressing me to the point that I didn't want to wake up, all of that, that I started my healing because mm -hmm. I finally recognized and realized that this is not my fault. Yeah, I am not a bad person. Um, I wasn't created a monster. I just have all of this stuff inside that needs to be healed. And that's, I ended up having to see a psychiatrist and a therapist, and that's how my healing began. I love that. Yeah, I think there's lots of paths that we take to healing. Some, like you said, you felt like it was forced, but it's what you needed, you know, and right. uh, I, you know, I, I got, I, I tell people, I, you know, I was in an 18 year marriage and at the very end, I was just talking about this the other day. I, I had lost my voice. He, the very last argument, fight, whatever, I think, I think it was like six or seven hours where he was literally berating me. And I, I distinctly remember not saying a single word. I was gone. And at this point I had already, you know, asked him to leave and was just waiting the time out until he left the house and things. But yeah, I had just, and and it was somebody, it was a newer friend in my life. And she's like, you know, when you talk about certain things, you just, you're so articulate. And then when I ask you questions about yourself, you, you say nothing. And, she, and, and I just, and I remember I just was like, I lost it. And I finally said the words out loud to another human being. And it's just that catalyst where yeah. you're like, oh, you know, and she, she, she started sharing stories about going, you know, with her, through her mother, with, you know, her mother's mental illness and all that stuff. And it was like, oh my gosh, just breaking the silence. Absolutely. And it's so yeah. important that you say that because one of the things that I tell the mothers that I work with and anybody is not only do you have a voice, but you are a voice mm -hmm. and you owe it to yourself and to everyone else to speak up. Stop allowing other people to silence you with their opinions and their beliefs about what you should be doing. And in these situations, we do tend to draw within ourselves, like to go within ourselves because 
it's like a way of protection. I think, I think you feel like if I just don't say anything, then, you know, it'll be over. Or you reach a point where you just feel like you have nothing to say because mm-hmm. you've said all that you felt like you needed to say and it wasn't heard. So this is one of the things that helps me with my healing journey because I believe that healing is a lifelong process. And I think yeah. once you begin, you continue healing, you find other ways to heal. And one of the things that helps me is knowing that I am being a voice for people who are not hurt and teaching people who have the ability to use their voice to use it. Don't don't be governed by other people's opinions. Just be who you are. Say what you need to say. Yeah, it's it is so true. I, I mean, you understand this because you raised boys that I'm I'm at the phase where they're 14 and it's like they don't listen to anything. We we are in the we're not listening to mom about anything. But I someone said just plant the seed. And it's 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 that in you know in life. Like you never yeah. know when you're having a random conversation and you're willing to be the person who's just like, yeah, you know, there was a time in my life when this was who I was and this is what I was going through. And, and I came out the other side Absolutely. and they may not acknowledge it in the moment, but that may be for them. That may be their catalytic moment. And so that's it's funny. Yeah, and I know you've probably experienced this also, like you, you talking to someone and they'll say, you know, years ago you said X, Y, Z, and I've been thinking about that. I didn't say anything when you said it, but I've really been thinking about that. And you may or not, may or may not even remember saying it, but people are listening more than what we think they are, um, even with our children. Like I just said, my mother had all girls. Um, oh, yeah. And so I'm thinking, yeah, like, why did I just, why, where are these boys coming from? Like, you know, I told my youngest son um, when his girlfriend was pregnant, I said, I'm telling you right now, if it's a boy, send it back. I don't want <laughs> any more boys. But of course, of course, we didn't send him back. And <laughs> he'll be four next month. And he, is, he brings me so much joy. Um, because I also, I have uh, several health challenges. I have mm-hmm. a disease called sarcoidosis. And mm-hmm. some days I literally cannot get up out of the bed. Like, yep. um, and then I've had five spinal surgeries and two strokes. So yep. I'm blessed to even be here to be able to share my voice. But like you said, at the beginning, there are days you just feel like I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to encourage anybody. I don't want to inspire anybody. I just want to stay in bed and be left alone. Yes. And I think it's important to say that because those days are healing days too. Like there's no, I I say this a lot that the healing journey is not a straight line. It looks more like a a four-year-old's art, you know, where you just take the crayon and they draw all over the page and you're like, there's the beginning and there's where I am. And, and, and now I'm over here and That's right. healing is, and, and what you said, you know, I'm 42 and my journey only started a few years ago. Um, I was 38 before I had my moment of clarity yeah. that said it's time. Um, and even after that, I stayed for a number of years. Um, and yeah, there's, there's days when the physical ramifications of everything we went through. Yes. Absolutely. Come up. You know, and, and we have to just go, 
okay, today's a healing day and this is what my body can do. That's right. Because like you said, when, and I used to feel guilty, like I used to feel like if I'm not up and doing something, then I'm just being lazy and I'm yeah. being non-productive. And I was raised that way. Um, mm -hmm. Like you always should be doing, 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 doing. Um, it's a part of my culture. They teach mm -hmm. you that, uh, you know, if you're not doing something, cause I, you know, I hear a lot of people say, um, we'll, we'll sleep when we're dead. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess you will sleep when you're dead, but that doesn't mean that I want to push myself to die early. So when I learned that the days when I physically cannot move, I can, I'm being productive and I'm healing because I'm allowing my body to rest. I'm allowing my mind to rest. Some days like when I'm in that place, I just lay in bed, turn on the TV, watch some old um, Andy Griffith, I Love Lucy, some of those old shows that I grew up on as a child um, and just laugh. And that's all I did. Like, I don't want to yeah. talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I cannot, this is me today. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's extremely important that we accept that even those moments, as you say, are a part of the healing journey. Yeah. And I know lots of trauma survivors. Obviously, I talk to hundreds of survivors. This is kind of what I do in my life and receive stories. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how that physical healing aspect, whether you have, you know, physical ailments or if it's just my nervous system was on high yes. alert and my amygdala system was from childhood, from four years old, from three years old, was just on constant work. And now it's like, oh, and I realized that's what today is for me. I'm like, oh, I had a big therapy session yesterday and my body's just going, oh, yes. you know what? Yes. We're going to do, we're going to meet Jamie and we're going to do this and then we're going to rest and the dishes yes. aren't going to get done and the garden's not going to get, and that's okay. It's, it's raining today. It's that's a beautiful right. day to sleep. I'm like, this is, but it's so, awesome. that, we talk about self-care and that is yeah. just huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and you asked, you said something very important when you're in the place where you're opening yourself up to other people's stories, you carry some of that inside of you. Um, and it's not like you wake up in the morning and say, Oh my God, let me see how many people I can allow to jump into my spirit today. It's just what we do. And my, one of my nieces said something to me a few months ago that I want to share with you in the audience is that we have to learn to be filters and not sponges. Yes. And when I processed what she was saying, I realized that my journey, my story, their journey, their story can be filtered through a, a caring heart. It can be filtered through a person who's attentive and listening, but I don't have to soak it in and allow it to weigh down on me because I did learn that a lot of the pains and aches and heaviness I felt was not necessarily my issues. It was carrying other people's things because it breaks my heart. It hurts me to hear people being abused, people being mistreated. So I had to learn how to hear it and care about it without carrying it. And yeah. I, that is a part of my healing process as well.
Yeah, that's that's a beautiful, beautiful way to put it is that we are, yeah, to be the filter, to be, you know, you can be, again, opening and sharing a space and giving someone a space to share their story and their yes. their experience. Because I found, again, I meet people, you and I never would have met if this podcast didn't exist, you know, I meet people from all walks of life that I'm like, oh my gosh, my human experience resonated in someone who's nowhere near me, who had, right. you know, age differences and culture differences and background differences, you know, that I can remember at a very, very young age. And I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with being raised by a narcissist that as my mother is, because I learned from a young, young age. Um, well, I'm not religious now we were then. And so I would remember, you know, Oh, we have to pray every night. And I would pray, you know, I would just get so deeply sad for all the people who are in pain and all yeah. the sadness and all the sorrow. And I would just take it on my little shoulders and just hold it in my body. And I, I did for years and everyone's pain. Or when I met my ex, you talked about fixing people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, I, your pain is mine and I shall take it on and own it. And I can fix it with love. Well, yes, if they're willing to change, love can change everything. But yeah, that you filter it and don't hold it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love that. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and that's another thing that I want to mention um, with regard to the faith aspect. Uh, because like I said, I was raised in a very strict Christian home. Uh, mm -hmm. My mother had 15 brothers and sisters. Wow. And I think all but one of them were preachers. Uh, so I come wow. from a long line of... Uh, religious uh influence i put it that way yeah um and so when i started having mental health ch challenges with the depression and the anxiety mm -hmm. the immediate response the one or two people that i did open up to were well if you pray more you wouldn't be having this problem <laughs> If yeah. you read your Bible more, you wouldn't be having these problems. Mm -hmm. And my inner response was, I am trying to pray. I am trying to read the Bible, but it's not working. It's not helping. Mm -hmm. um, and so I talk to people a lot of times who say, I am so glad you shared that because yeah. I was feeling guilty. And I remember, uh, Megan, I remember when I was admitted to the hospital, and there's a point, I think, the next day where you have to meet with your team. Mm -hmm. And when I walked in the room and I looked around at all these people sitting at the table, at least five of them I knew from church. Oof. Not my parents' church, but from other churches in the area. Yeah. I felt myself withdrawing even more. Mm -hmm. The shame, the embarrassment. the yeah. what. And one of the gentlemen said to me, he was a... Uh, a white guy, he said to me, I want to tell you something before we even get started. He said, I could tell from the look on your face that you recognized me. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you, I know who you are and that um, you are free. We're here to help you start healing. None of that, what we do in church, where we, none of that is relevant. And you do not have to feel ashamed. You do not have to be embarrassed. Yeah. We're here to help you learn how to heal. And that was a changing point for me because I had already decided I'm not talking. I'm not joining no groups. I'm not. I'm not oh, I yeah. Just, I just want to go home. Yep. But when he said that, it released me. 
And sometimes religion has a tendency, I get in trouble with people all the time for saying this, but religion has a tendency to put chokeholds on people um, and bind you up in areas that you should not be bound. And so it's another thing that I share with people about my healing journey is a lot of things we have to unlearn in order to heal. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I lose track, especially since you know we claim that this is a Christian country, which was a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yes, but not this podcast. <laughs> not this podcast. But it's like automatically people make the assumption mm-hmm. that you're a Christian and everything you do in your life uh, comes from a Christian foundation, and it's not. And yep. people should not be made to feel bad if they have no desire whatsoever to even find out about Christianity, much less be a Christian. That has nothing to do with my healing. And Mm. I want to, and I put that out there every chance I get, and I always get in trouble for it, but oh well. No, you won't on this show. I, uh, religious abuse is something sadly that I experienced. I, I can't grow up in an extremely, uh, especially towards women, just very, very controlling religious environment, which is funny because my parents are not actually religious human beings. They picked the church because it was good people with a good kids program. They just wanted a group to join. And inadvertently it created additional abuse. And I left when I was 15 by choice, never looked back, but I I've, I've learned as I've gotten older that it wasn't the religion that was the problem. It's never the religion or the structure or the, you know, humans need faith. I'm a deeply faithful, deeply spiritual person. Do I put it in a Christian God or a Buddhist God or a Hindu God? No, I don't put it in that structure. I use very different terms, but it's the faith aspect. But for a lot of people, the church, whatever you were raised in or whatever you choose to be in, it's the human side of it that's the problem, not the faith side of it that's the problem. The faith is deeply important to all of us as healing. We have to, because we have to learn to have faith in ourselves to be able to even open up to the healing. I loved how you were saying you walked into that room and you're like, my answer is no, nope, yeah. nope. No, I'm not doing I remember nothing. feeling just, that. Just send me home. I don't want to go. I'm not doing it. I, I started therapy. It took me a while to find a therapist. And I, I, I always emphasize this when you are looking for a therapist, give yourself grace and space to get it wrong. And, and you, you may not resonate with the human they may not be the, it took me five times over three years and I finally oh, found wow. someone and I walked in and the methodology she wanted to start with was, is it's called CPT and it's very structured. It's designed for people with PTSD. It's very structured. It's got writing. I hate writing. Like, <laughs> and so I told her, I said the first day, I'm like, I'm not going to do this. She goes, <laughs> well, we're not going to get very far. And I did it It's because it's only 12 weeks. You do that for 12 weeks. And now we're doing other things. We're doing different modalities and things. But, oh, walking into that room and I just, I knew it was a healing space. I really connected with her. I could feel her good energy. She understood me. And I was like, no, not going to do it. <laughs> so I think sometimes when we're actually on the right healing path, that your laugh because it's like, nope, nope. Immediately you just put up that wall like you know what hurry up and say whatever it is you're saying because i'm ready to go (laughs) i'm not and they kept saying to me well you're not going to be able to go home until we know for sure that you're safe 
And I'm like, I told you a thousand times, I did not mean I wanted to kill myself. I mean, I need a break. I need like, and they were like, well, we can't let you. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, hurry up. <laughs> Yeah, you were, and I think it's also when you said that I, I, what you said about just wanting to sleep, we are soul weary. People who have been through these kinds of, you're just, everything about you is just, you're weary. You just like, I do. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever, my, there was times, right, right after my ex left, there was uh, a, couple, a couple of weeks where I actually asked my parents to take my kiddo because it was, yeah. it was dark. And I, I, I had to, because, I was unmasking the lies that I had lived yes. you know, that I'd put up for 18 years. And yes. when I was taking those off and I was by myself, cause uh, mind you, it was the end of 2019 when I actually, when I actually got him to leave, um, my divorce happened in 2020. So there was like a whole eight month period in all of that it was just a lot of pulling it off and pulling off the lies. And it was really, really dark. And I think that maybe once or twice I was like, you know, considered like maybe I sh it would just be easier if I left but then it was like nope I have my son and if I were gone he'd be with his he'd be with my I'd be like no and that that would be enough but yeah that soul I was just tired and there just, is a distinct difference in being tired and being weary I tell people all the time when I say I'm tired my physical body is is tired I need to go to sleep yeah. But when I'm weary, it's my soul that has been affected and I need some time. I need whatever I need. Everybody needs something different. And it's important to find out what it is that you need for your soul to be rejuvenated and refreshed. But that is such an important point, Megan. Like you get, I was just weary and that's, and I didn't at the time know how to explain that. When I said, I just like to go to sleep and not wake up, of course, in their profession, that's a suicidal thought. In my mind, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I don't want to die. I, I just, so it took me years to figure out not to ever say that again. Like, and I have like, my sister says I have, um, well, you're too young to probably remember Bob Newhart, but. Oh, I, I, I saw reruns. <laughs> okay, gotcha. But he had like this really dry um, sense of humor. Yeah. And people say that about me. Like sometimes I'll say things and people are laughing and I'm thinking to myself, what are they laughing at? Like, I didn't realize what I even said was funny. And my yeah. sister says I have that sense of humor. So one day I was at physical therapy and um, the, the lady said, how are you feeling? It was a young girl, actually. Um, she was training. She was like an intern. And so mm -hmm. I said, Oh my God, I'm in so much pain. I think I'm going to go stand out in the, in the yard, I mean, in the highway and wait to get run over by a Purdue truck. Well, where I live, I live in Salisbury, Maryland, and this is the headquarters for Purdue Farms. Got it. So I said, uh, stand in the middle of the road, get run over by a Purdue truck. I was joking, but I didn't laugh or anything like that. The next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call from my doctor saying, that she had written down that what I said, and she was, you know, concerned that I might be suicidal. So my doctor said that he said to her, I've been working with Ms. Green for many years. This is my primary doctor. He said, she just has like one of the weirdest senses of humor. He said, now think about this. If a person is suicidal, 
number one, are they going to wait for a truck to run them over? And is it going to have to be a Purdue truck? Like, if she was suicidal, why would she just wait for a Purdue truck? He said she was being funny. He said, I didn't even hear her say it. And I know how I can hear her saying it right now because this is how she is. So when he called me and told me what what she said, I wanted to go over there to that therapy place and just like pluck her in the forehead. Like, but my I was telling my sister about it. She said, I keep telling you, you can't you can't say things, everything to people. But yeah. humor is another part of my healing journey. Because for years I didn't laugh. For years I had nothing to laugh about. Even as a child. I felt like, why doesn't anybody see what's happening to me? Yep. My parents see everybody else. Everybody in the church is always talking about how they helped them through something. Why can't they see what's going on with me? When I became a teenager and it was still happening, they couldn't see it. When I got into relationships, I remember when I was married, for a minute, literally. Um, And it became abusive. And my, my mother's response was, this man married you with two children that are not his. There's not a lot of men that are going to do that. You need to stay with him. And then of course, she began to quote scriptures about what my job was as as a wife. Um, So I never, I didn't have humor. I didn't have a voice. Like you say, it was like somebody took my voice box out because nobody was listening to what I was saying. And so it's important for you to keep doing what you're doing because, and I want to, I want to say this too, and then I'm going to be quiet. (laughs) In the, um, the way that you and I connected, there were like four or five other people that, you know, I responded to. Mm Mm-hmm. But something kept going wrong. Like, yep. you know, we I couldn't connect with them or whatever. But I felt like I really needed to make sure that I connected with you. That's why I kind of panicked this morning when I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. What's like, you doing? Yep. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. But like, you know, it's a 61-year-old age thing. Remember <laughs> But I was so glad that I was able to reach to reach you because I really felt mm-hmm. like I'm supposed to talk with you today. And yeah. I'm just so glad to be able to do that. Yeah. No, I it's it's interesting how the things that are supposed to be always happen. That's just uh I don't know if I shared with you, but this show when I when you and I connected several weeks ago, I was I've been doing the show for six months now, seven months now, and I was out of guests and every avenue that I had taken before wasn't working. And the little voice in my head whispered, just try one more time. Wow. And literally in 24 hours, like I I'm, I'm booked out for months now. And that's, that's awesome. it's just like, that's what's meant to happen. I'm like, okay. Cause I'd been asking for weeks. Is this my purpose? Am I right? Is, you know, oh those God. self-worth questions that I've been having lately. And I, I want to circle back to what you said about humor because yeah, I have a very, I'm not as, I'm not as dry as you. I have a very dark sense of humor, but I have a very weird, like the things that I, I will say and find funny people are like, what did you just say? And then it's, you know, and, and often 
I, I adore words. So a lot of times I'm using like really big words. And I, it's one of the things I love about my kiddo because it was just him and me from birth. Like even, even though his father was around, it was always just him and me. And so he has my sense of humor. So he and I can just do this where it's like yeah. making each other laugh. And everyone's looking at us going, what is so funny? And we're like, <laughs> yeah. but it is so to find, not only find your voice, but to find laughter and joy and levity you know it's it it physically changes our bodies to laugh and to, to have lightness Absolutely. but yeah it's, it's part of finding our voice to be able to just you know to speak our truths is part of it but also to to, to come into who we are because i'm sure Absolutely. until 32 you're like i knew i know who jamie is and at 32 you went I have no idea who changed. Exactly. Is. And and then and a lot of people that thought they knew me, they didn't know me either. Because if I don't know me, you sure don't know me. So 32 is really late um to find your voice. But I'm glad I did because 30 years later I am a much better version of who I'm supposed to be. Yep. And I'm just excited because Connecting with you has encouraged me and inspired me because I too have reached that place where I'm like, okay, people told me to do this show. And now here we are two years later, people are not responding. Um, I reach out to people and say, you know, I love what you're doing. Would you come and share with my, you know, on the show? They don't respond. Then some people say, oh, I would love to come, but then they don't follow up. And then mm -hmm. it's like, is it time for to stop doing it? And as mm -hmm. soon as I say that, um, I get a, a, re a response from somebody that says, I've been meaning to get back to you. I forgot, blah, blah, blah. I would love mm -hmm. to come. So yep. sometimes like the answer comes from the least expected places. Always. Like yeah, I would love to have you. Um, I would love to have you come on my show. Yes. I, oh, I love doing show swap, swaps. I do it all the time with guests. It's interesting how many of my guests have a show or I think this week I'm on someone's YouTube. They do YouTube live and, and it's, and she, <laughs> she was funny too. She even rescheduled with me. She's like, so I'm going to be traveling in the morning, but I have to have you on. So we're going to do it later in the day. And I was like, if you're traveling, we can do it another day. She's like, nope. I was like, okay. And it's so funny that you say that. Cause like, Y'all see me different than I see me because I see me and I'm just like, oh, I just do this little thing and it's not a big deal. And I've had so many people like, no, no, I really want to connect with you. Like, it's super important. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm, that's, I'm listening. that's funny because that's how I see me. Like, and my family members, my son, I, my oldest son is incarcerated and mm -hmm. that's another weight. But I tell you, he has been my biggest supporter and my biggest yeah. inspiration. Um, yeah. And I say stuff like, well, you know, I got to um, do one of my little shows tonight. And he would say, stop saying that. Like, yeah. stop demeaning and devaluing what you do. Your words are touching people and changing lives. Yeah. And just stop saying that. So when I, I just, I don't see it as a big deal. I guess I need to work on that. Um, but I think what you're doing is phenomenal because Thank you. it is giving a space, a forum, a platform for people to share their stories because you can't share mm -hmm. it with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, 
some people don't want to hear it for one thing. Mm-hmm. And then some people like they hear it, but they're like, okay, what do you want me to do? Like <laughs> their response. Yeah. Is like, yeah. So I feel, I'm feeling the need to fix it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, I've been super glad to have you as my guest and have you join me and share this conversation. Cause again, at the beginning I was tired and I'm not quite so tired. I'm still going to go take a nap though. <laughs> I understand. I I'm getting ready to take off my top uh, yep. because I, the top part is all dressed up and whatever. Right. And I'm taking all this off and go lay down myself. <laughs> That's right. It's a good thing to do. So, Jamie, I always ask my guests, if anybody hears or watches this and would really love to connect with you personally, is there a great way for people to get connected to you directly? I think the easiest thing um, would be through email. Um, and that is D-E-S-T-N-E, the numbers 2017 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook. Um and I'm on there a lot because I have a lot going on over there. Some of it I think I need to get rid of, but uh, <laughs> that would be under my my legal name, which is Jane Cena, and that's J A M E S I N A Green. So those are probably the two best ways to connect. Lovely, and all those links are are in the show notes down below. Whether you're watching or listening, you can just tap to get connected to Jamie. Um, you know, if you'd like to hear more about her, get on her show. If you're a mother who would love to share your stories. Um, so yes, yes, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your energy with the audience in the show and myself. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Megan. And I have been honored to join you today and looking forward to being in touch with you very soon. Yes. To the audience who joined us today, thank you for listening and watching. And as always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and flow, and may your... Until next time. All right.